Ace Podcast. Where did it come from? From in here. What if it ran out of here? I'd have seen it. Lance, it doesn't run. It just floats. Yeah, but uh, why didn't I see it? You don't believe me. Blind Black Rum Podcast presents House on Haunted Hill. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from the TheMoonIsDeadWorld.net. I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're on episode 73 of the show now. Moving on up there. Woohoo! And actually... You know what? We should consider episode 74. Yeah. There's a... Because that would also fit in with the fact that our two-year anniversary is next week. Yeah, we got to... And that can just be perfectly on the 75th episode, you know? It's true. I mean, we've got a special... Um, that's coming out. It's not out yet. I don't want to release too many details because I don't know how secretive it is. But we'll just say that we recorded another episode on, um, Monday and it's coming out soon. Yeah. Not going to say what it is. Not going to say where, where it's coming out. Just a little hint for you. But Blood and Black Rum Podcast has an uh, another episode that will, will be out. An Easter egg. That's right. Um, but yeah, technically this is 73 of the actual Blood and Black Rum Podcast. And uh, today, you know, last last time we put out kind of a, a, a Twitter uh, Facebook. questionnaire to figure out what we were going to do for this episode of the podcast. And people voted and House on Haunted Hill came out the leader. So we're doing House on Haunted Hill, the 1959 version, not the 1999 version. Um, although that one's fun too, in um, different ways. That one's fun, um, and we'll probably cover that at some point. I would think, um, not next week, obviously, because next week we've got our RoboCop episode, which should be fun. It's going to be an audio commentary, so that's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be something different, something we haven't tried. Two year anniversary, we're spicing things up a little bit. Ugh, gonna have to drink. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot to drink on that show. Um, so House on Haunted Hill is a a movie that I've seen a couple times. I mean, I've seen it, I saw it like a long time ago. I have not seen this movie in forever. I think I last watched it maybe in college or something like that. You know, maybe six or seven years ago. I, I don't remember the last time I saw it, but... Um, it's, it's a fun film for me. I think that it has a lot of important history to it. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover something like House on Haunted Hill on the show, because we haven't really done anything that's really gone back in time. I mean, we, we do a lot of seventies, eighties stuff, but we've never really gone back in time a little bit. Doesn't that make you feel old now though? That, that seventies and eighties is back in time? That's like, no, I know, it's like, that's old now. Yeah, that's, that's, Th- those are considered that's, old movies. That's th- 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's not, yeah, that, that, that's, you know. I mean, I, I, well, that's the thing, though. I consider House on Haunted Hill old, but it's not old, old, either. 
It is Be- though because we're talking. I'm not. We're not like talking Frankenstein or Dracula. Old. That's like that's uh, that's those are super, super old. Yeah. Those are ancient. Yeah. Just vintage film. Now. No, no, because it's like with like um like classic rock stations now. Like you hear like Nirvana, mm-hmm. and Soundgarden on there. Yeah, and it's like classic rock. And it's like eh, no, it's not. The it, '90s are classic rock. I mean, well, now both frontmen are dead, so you sure it's old. <laughs> it's old now. No, I know. But I'm not, I mean, like, I know it's it's in the. I know it's in the age range. Mm-hmm. Like, like the year period. Like, it's been 25 years now, so it's you know would be considered classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't still call it classic rock. I, you know, would you call something like Christmas Vacation? Old classic. It is now, yeah. I mean, I would I no, but like with somebody who like true who's like fourteen. If oh, I was like, an yeah, old movie. I don't want to watch that movie. It's an old movie. Yeah, it's from nineteen eighty, eighty nine. Christmas vacation. Oh, vacation. I was thinking just regular vacation. Well, vacation. I definitely would <laughs> consider old at this point. That's an older movie. Christmas vacation. I would I'd be hesitant to say is old simply because it released the same year I was born. <laughs> so. <laughs> that kind of sucks. <laughs> but no, and I, I just like the whole the thinking of it now. It's just like, because it's like, getting a little off topic. But like to me, like, classic rock is always going to be 70s and 80s. Rock. And, and I think it's just because, like, the whole, like, s- style of the time. And, like, well, yeah. Because, like, you don't even, like, even probably, like, in the 90s, I don't really remember it. But even in the 90s, like, were classic rock stations playing, like, rock from the 60s like no i don't think so no, yeah you know i don't think there was like a classic well maybe no there was the there was yeah um yeah i guess maybe like in the 80s like what was what was considered classic rock was uh, there, there probably was there a classic was, rock well probably, no no because it's probably just like it was just like rock chuck the, berry no it'd, <laughs> pro- it'd probably just be like you know rock what's on the rock charts and um yeah. you know stuff that came out a little bit earlier yeah now that rock's kind of a, unfortunately, dead genre. Because do you mean you know? It's yeah. <laughs> there's no like modern like rock band that's like hitting the pop charts. No, no, I guess not. So I mean, it is. It's kind of. All right, we're off topic though. Well, I'm lamenting now. That's <laughs> rock. <laughs> How's that haunted hill though? Um... <laughs> What have you, have, I mean, have you seen it, right? I mean, yes. you saw it previously. Yes, I've seen it a couple of times, actually. Have you seen it recently? Um, Probably about three, four years ago. When it was oh, on... really? That recent? Yeah, when it was on Netflix. Oh, uh, yeah, you you were saying that it was on Netflix. I clearly remember. It's, it's not still... anymore. It was for a very long time, so it might. I think... Well, it's easy to put on there. It's pretty much in general, you know, public domain, so. Why not at that point? No, I know. Throw, you know, that's how Netflix pads their content. It's just like, throw the public domain shit on there. Yeah, then, then why is, like, Dying of the Living Dead not on there then? I don't know. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you would think they'd want to just put George, it on there. George Romero's still shaking his fist over that. Like, I got fucked out of my money. <laughs> yeah. Well, the same thing happened with House on Haunted Hill, really. <laughs> the film fell, accidentally fell into public domain, so it... Just like Night of the Living Dead, it got a lot of, like, copies of just people putting it out there, poorly edited versions of it, you know, just bad all-around content, and, I mean, that's that's a shitty thing to have happen, just because of the way that you make money on those home yeah. video releases, so. 
but it did happen. I mean, the same, same thing with, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Um, and I think that was probably like that. It seems like that was a thing that happened, um, a lot because they, people wanted it to happen a lot. You know what I mean? Like people weren't like telling William Castle and, uh, George Romero, like, Oh, make sure you, you know, <laughs> you, you copyright this so that no one else can yeah. have a, have a copy of it. Cause it was easy to, you know, easy to make money by distributing it. If it wasn't, if it was just public domain. So happened a lot <laughs> no one there was no lawyers like be careful you know careful of your own content <laughs> but all right um so let's take a break real quick we're gonna talk really quickly about something that we have to drink on the show because uh newsflash tomorrow's my birthday i've got a little early birthday got a little early birthday present hooray so uh gonna be a young 28 <laughs> So uh, we're gonna talk about my birthday present when Don't we come say back, that out loud. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll be back to talk about House on Haunted Hill. So stay with us. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. Check out the PCC Multiverse today on the Ace Podcast Network. Welcome back. Um, So we're talking about a special kind of alcohol today. We've never had it on the show. And I'm not talking about beer either because this was a birthday present. So we went a little bit. Wait, like you had a say in it? Nah, no, that's true. You got to pick out your gift? No, I didn't, but uh, it was a... Because you all, you're, you know what? You asked. You, I you... did ask, and then you, <laughs> and you said the wrong answer. You s- I said Lagavulin, yeah. And I told you to fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's am a I ex- make, little expensive. Am I making Nick Offerman money? No. No, mm-hmm. I'm not, so yeah, you're not... I know. No, I, uh, I did ask for that, but since that's too expensive, Martin came through with a different kind of alcohol, a cheaper kind. <laughs> um, we're talking about Jeremiah Weed's Sarsaparilla Whiskey, um, which is pretty interesting because, in general, I don't try, like, the the uh, flavored whiskeys that much. Neither do I. It's kind of a dangerous move, too. Because it's always um, guaranteed hangover. Even if you drink a little bit because of the sugar and shit in it. Yeah. Um, it's literally meant to get shit-faced. So I'm kind of against that. If, if I'm drinking, like, whiskey... Yeah. Like it's f- going to be something that you want to drink and it tastes taste good and you yeah. enjoy it. The only time I'm drinking whiskey, uh, like, liquor pretty hard to get fucked is because something's gone terribly awry <laughs> in life and... yeah. I'm okay with waking up the next day throwing up and having a hangover that's, you know, yeah, crippling. Yeah, I mean, we we've uh we've tried flavored stuff before, like we tried Dr. McGillicuddy's root beer and was that was a very uh painful. Yeah, painful. Um it's that Canadian stuff, man. It just hits you hard. But it does cause hangovers because of that that high sugar content. And that's it's kind of the same reason, like, why wine's going to give you, like, a heavy headache. Um, just the sweetness and the the tannins and stuff in it. Same kind of concept with flavored whiskeys and stuff and, and flavored liquors like that. Just just going to be hit you really hard the next day. 
and in general cause a headache. And I think that's what happened with you with Dr. McGillicuddy. Oh, yeah. You had a terrible headache the next day. I felt... Even though you didn't even drink that much I of didn't it. know. I didn't even get drunk. It was just kind of and like... And I woke uh, up the next day feeling like I had a fucking... Like the most, one of the most miserable hangovers of my life. I blame him because it was Canadian. Because Cana- yeah. <laughs> Canadian liquor is the devil. Yeah. Outside of like certain Crown Royals, yeah. anything else is just a total crapshoot and a gamble. But no, a, no Canadian mist in this household. <laughs> but I'm a big fan of whiskey, and we're also a big fan of root beer, sarsaparilla, all the root beverages. Sarsaparilla is amazing. So Martin picked up the sarsaparilla whiskey because it's right up my alley, and I gotta say that I do enjoy it. It's a very smooth uh, sarsaparilla whiskey, um, heavily flavored with the sarsaparilla. Um, it really comes out, but towards the end, you do get quite a bit of that alcohol taste to it. Um, it's what, what is it? 35%? 35. 35%. Um, and I, I do like it. I think it's really tasty. Um, you know, it's not always something that I would choose to have if I was really, if I had an anchoring for whiskey or something, you know, bourbon or something like that. It wouldn't be my first choice for some, if I had that craving but it definitely is a, a tasty beverage and something that you can just like kind of easily sip just you know and, and, and it says on the bottle you can have a have a sip or sneak a nip that's right yeah i think that's a, that's a good point is that you can sneak a nip you can kind of have it in a um in like a de- decanter if you wanted to or you could just have it in a flask and take it with you someplace, like the movie theater. And then no one would really be the wiser because... <laughs> when you're, you're watching RoboCop. Yeah, exactly. Because your breath kind of just smells like sarsaparilla root beer. And uh, kind of masks the the flavoring of that whiskey smell. So I, I thought it was okay. I mean, like, I, like I've said, I'm not really too big of a fan of flavored liquor. Mm-hmm. Even with, like, flavored vodka. I don't like vodka to begin with, but, mm. like, flavored vodkas I'm not a fan of, and rum and stuff. I do, like, it does have, like, quite a bit of sarsaparilla taste. It which, does, which, yeah. Which is nice. It, cause, it does. Because I love sarsaparilla, and around here it's pretty hard to get sarsaparilla. Only like, in, like, boutique soda bottles, yeah, you know, yeah. so, something like that. And even then it's, like, expensive for a four-pack or yeah. something like that. So. And, um, though it... That part of it's good. The back end is totally, at least for me, is total nothing but an alcohol taste to it. There's no nuance to it at all. Um, so if I were to drink it, probably, if I wanted like more than like like a couple sips, I would probably have to put it in root beer or sarsaparilla mm. and and just dilute it even more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I don't I don't really enjoy liquor that's pr- heavily present on. The alcohol. It just it just makes me sick. It just I think that I pass I could have like maybe a glass, which I did. I had a glass mm-hmm. of it. And I probably wouldn't go any further than that. Because I uh, like you said, I would be afraid that I would have some sort of massive hangover the next day, even though this it's not really that much that you're drinking. You may not even get drunk from it. It's just the the tendency for that sugary content to to make you miserable yeah the next day you're kind of like regretting the decision so i don't know if i would like go any more than uh you know one glass of it but i i enjoy it i think it's pretty good um you know for what it is as a flavored whiskey give it a shot especially if you like sarsaparilla and if you want something that's you know not too overpriced 
Not too, yeah, not too overpriced. And if you're kind of hesitant to go further with like a bourbon or a whiskey or even a scotch, it's kind of a good middleman. It's good for like 15 year olds who are not really sure. It's the, it's the schnapps of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Of, of bur- Flavored schnapps of, of bur- bur- whiskey yeah. and bourbon. That's right. You know, cause it's not, if you're a 15 year old, 15 year old and you're listening, um, you know, give it a shot for the next party. Mm. People are going to be vomiting all over the place, good, but at least it's... Good pun there. Yeah, give it a shot. Mm. Didn't even... That was totally <laughs> unintentional because I didn't even recognize it. But yeah, 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 give it a shot if you're, uh, you know, a 15-year-old holding the holding the party. That's better than Keystone Light. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And at least you can pretend like you had really hard hard liquor at the party. Yeah. You know? And for a cheap price, too, because we know 15-year-olds, they probably don't have jobs. <laughs> From their allowance still. Blood and Black Rum Podcast does not condone underage drinking. <laughs> Alright. That's all we got, because we kind of uh stretched ourselves thin on the last when we when we covered when we did the other episode <laughs> that is a secret. So um next week we'll have something more for uh for the Robocop episode. But it'll probably be a whole <laughs> like a whole bar. A whole bar of stuff. Things to get us through Robocop twenty four. Yeah, that should be the that should be the poll for the next episode like that I put out for a Robocop. Like what should we be drinking while we watch this Robocop? Well, then you need, then what what we need to do is and you gotta pick a list of like really shitty Shitty things to drink? Yeah. Like beers or like liquor or what? I mean, I'm not going to do liquor, but I mean... If okay, so beer. <laughs> so shitty beers to drink like, that yeah, we like, have access to, though. Like Natty Light, Rockdale Light. Which one Key- should we put ourselves through? Keystone Light. An all-around Mil- miserable time. For- Milwaukee's Beast. Like, just like pick... like Yeah. yeah no, pick... A, a-, a miserable time for our two-year anniversary. No, because if it, you pick like liquor, like, drink Goldschlager, then it's... it's yeah, gonna- yeah, that would be... That'd, shit, that'd be sucky. Oh, uh, yeah, no. I, It'd be a horrible <laughs> time. I'd have to be cleaning the computer monitor after. It'd be spewing all over. But, but at least it would be gold-flecked. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break real quick. When we come back, we're going to talk about House on Haunted Hill. Thank you for seeing me today, Doctor. Of course. I see you're having some issues. Yeah, it all started when I ran out of podcasts to listen to. I felt anxious, alone, and even scared. It happens all too often. Podcast deficiency disorder. It can be a serious struggle with no answer in sight. Until now. Introducing Nerdy Words from Geek Productions. Through intense peer review studies, the Nerdy Words team have developed the perfect formula to finally defeat all symptoms of PDD. With just one episode a week, your feelings of helplessness through lack of podcast satisfaction will be a thing of the past. With heavy doses of off-the-cuff, barely put-together thoughts about all things nerdy and beyond, your PDD will melt away. Side effects include frustration at host's inability to accurately quote facts, annoyance at their often bitchy attitudes, and inability to understand them through their drunken slurs every five episodes. Do not listen if you are nursing pregnant or may become pregnant. Comics, movies, anime, video games, and much, much more with Nerdy Words. Fridays on acepodcastnetwork.com. Alright, so House on Haunted Hill. As we've been talking about, pretty much just an extended episode of The Twilight Zone. Yes, we were talking in private before this. (laughs) Off- off the record. Um, Which I, is not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad all. thing. And it was actually pretty common for the time in that... they Run times. Yeah, yeah no. run times were pretty uh, truncated, I would say, in terms of, like, horror oh. movies especially. Unless you got that really big budget, like, 
Like, yeah, or like your Orson Welles or something like, like, like that. Elizabeth Taylor's making Cleopatra. It's going to be four a four hour event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this not so much. Um, William Castle is in and out basically, very very quick. And actually, when you're watching it, there's really no reason for it to be any longer than it is. No, it's there's nothing here. This is a very pulpy film, um, and really, as a a director and a producer, William Castle is known for his pulpy films like this. Um, House on a Haunted Hill was one of the first ones that he did. Um, Macabre being the actual first one. Um, but then from here on out with House on Haunted Hill, The Tingler, 13 Ghosts, um, he really used a lot of the same ideas that he, he set forth in uh, House on Haunted Hill where he got a lot of his uh, recognition. And I think that part of it is gimmick. And part of it is just knowing how to scare audiences in the fifty, like late fifties and sixties. Um, in this case, House on a Haunted Hill does have a kind of a creepy atmosphere to it. I think, especially for the time, being in a, like a dark movie theater um, with a lot of like Halloween esque sounds, like what we think of now as like the soundtrack to Halloween, yeah. you know, like rattling chains, ghostly moaning. Yeah. Yeah. Like zither music sort of styles. Um, very, I mean, that's what we think of now is like the classic Halloween sound. Um, I think that's probably, I, I think I have like a tape that's like classic Halloween sounds like taken from house on haunted Hill. Um, but it really, I think it was probably pretty, spooky at the time especially for audiences who you know really weren't accustomed to seeing a lot of horror movies or or paranormal style no, movies. No, there's a hanging in this yeah that's Which, that's that's pretty uh it's i think that for the time um house on haunted hill is pretty gruesome because there's a, a couple different moments there's uh the the hanging that you mentioned there's a beheading scene like uh, uh uh i shouldn't say a beheading but it's more of a there's a uh a head that's been detached from a body we don't see the actual beheading but we see we see the aftermath it's kind of yeah. a grisly sort of reveal of a of a head and it's done a couple of yeah quite quite a few times yeah it, it's in a suitcase it's in a closet it's getting carried around. people just carried around like uh some sort of uh sleepy hollow headless horseman lantern um it's kind of a grisly film. I'm I'm surprised that for for the time it really you know made it past censors and wasn't considered a very you know sinful and and <laughs> uh you know over the top movie, but I think that's really what William Castle was known for um besides the gimmicks that he he did in House on Haunted Hill. I think reading about House on Haunted Hill is uh a lot of fun, maybe sometimes more fun than the film itself, especially for contemporary audiences now, but just reading about like the kind of gimmicks that were used with House on Haunted Hill, like uh, the rigging up of the skeleton that flies over the, the audience in the movie theater when the skeleton comes out in the film and, and, and kind of prances around and scares uh, um, Nora Vincent Price's uh, wife, Nora. Yeah. No, not Nora. Annabelle. Then. Annabelle. Oh yes, I'm sorry, Annabelle. Um, Annabelle Lauren. Um, the, it's. I think that's an interesting 
idea. And I think that is probably, it was probably really effective at the time, because... And that's something I could totally see them doing in the 50s, too. Like, that's, you know... The sort of, like, gag thing that they... Like, we need to get more people to come to this movie, damn it. You know, let's, uh... Well, it's a good way to get word of mouth going. Yeah. And you would hope that people going to the theater... And, and experiencing it, wouldn't come back and say to the person and, and say, like, well, you should really see House on Haunted Hill. Because there's a fucking skeleton that flies at, you know. Hopefully, they weren't spoil sports at that time it's and like, ruin it for everybody it's, it's else. It's like, uh, like a theme park ride. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's, it's like I said, it's almost like one of those 4D adventures um, that they have at theme parks. You know, like, honey, I don't, you've never been, but Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was a big one. Uh, and, like, they had little rats on the bottom that would blow, you know, they blow out steam and be like little rats scurrying around on your feet and shit like that. I mean, at that time, that would have been pretty fun. And I know if I was in 1959, Ryan, and I was going to see House on Haunted Hill, I'd be in. I'd see every fucking William Castle film there was. You probably have to drive an hour to see a movie. Yeah, that's right. But I would. (laughs) I would. To go see that skeleton fly at my face, (laughs) I certainly would. I think it's, you know, it's... It sounds stupid and hokey now. It sounds like it sounds like what it is. It's a gimmick, and and um, it sounds like a uh, a business move. You know what I mean? To kind of get more ticket selling, but it's also an ingenious idea. It's really cool, and I I wish that it's better than 3D. We would do that now. You know, <laughs> you know, we would um, have certain films that all of a sudden shit popped out at you, and I think it would be pretty fun. And also now with a more realistic films it also be probably scare some people shitless <coughs> excuse Just me imagine going to see wonder woman and like wonder woman drop from the no well i mean <laughs> uh, unless it was actually gal gadot then sure <laughs> drop from the rafters but i don't think that would have the same effect but um i would totally be in i i know that like and it's not the only time that william castle did gimmicks like that he would hand out like vomit bags and and sh- and you know tell people that they may faint and die because of their scares and get the vapors and <laughs> um but it's it's a cool idea i think that even more so than just watching house on haunted hill now really doing the historical research and seeing what they did at the time for theatrical releases it's it's cool it's it's a it's a fun little part of you know horror history so but I think that the film itself, too, even though it is now, like, six, almost 60 years old, it still holds up pretty well as a, a you know, a classic horror film. I don't think that it's necessarily, like, um, psycho levels of classic. But yeah, this is a movie that inspired Psycho. It is, yeah, it is, because it inspired Hitchcock to really get into the, the movie business and, and come well, up with... the movie business, you mean like a horror, like a- and yeah, a horror business to to kind of um, <clears throat> craft himself a a horror film out of it that it, you know it inspired that. Um, I don't think it's you know it's gonna it doesn't live up to this, that standard of classic, but it's still a pretty good film with just the right amount of running time. As we talked about, you know, an hour and ten minutes can't really go wrong with that. There's no. There's no is, negative it, part to an hour and a ten minute film besides the fact that we don't really know much about the the seven characters that we meet. You never have to though. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a that's a, a credit to the film too is that you don't need to know. If that they much made about this them. film in 2017, it'd be 
two hours long plus, and like we like have to have like deep backstories and um, you know like flashbacks. Like, how did you end up here? And like, oh, this this is why I'm here. And like, you see them like actually going to the office, and like and like of them like asking Nora, like, hey. Vincent Price wants you to come to this party, and you know, like, no, it'd be totally tedious and yeah, no, I agree, and, I, and pointless. It, it you know, there would be that emphasis on let's meet everybody, you know, let's get a little snapshot of Nora before she gets to the house. Let's get a little snapshot of Lance before he gets out, and then by that point, you'd be like, oh, I'm kind of checked Let's out. Let's have 30 minutes about, you know, Frederick Lauren. What makes him, you know... Yeah. Is he really a psycho? And, like, or is he not? You and know? I think one of the, the better things about House on Haunted Hill is that the writing kind of treats our our uh, main characters, like Frederick Lauren and Annabelle Lauren, as kind of weird, creepy individuals. They They both... Don't seem like they're very well adjusted to like regular life. They both are like not happy with each other. They knowingly have tried to kill each other and yet they're still living together. And the whole idea of them being sort of these gothic and dark characters who constantly bicker and are like at each other's throats it's kind of a it's it's a cool thing that we we get within that those first opening scenes when we meet frederick and annabelle and we don't know much about them and they're kind of just going at each other and and kind of clashing in a verbal spar that is fit for a language of yesteryear not the modern times that's right it's great i think that that works because we don't know anything about them and we kind of just have to go on the fact, and we don't know if they're playful either. Like, are they really? Are they playing? Is this mm. like a, a an all an act where they kind of are always mean to each other, but it's it's kind of just being wise asses? Yeah. Or are they really like I fucking hate your gu-? like now? It would Which be like, brings up the whole question: like, wait, wait why did you get married? Because at this point, it seems it's it would seem <clears> like if if they're not being like kind of smart assy towards each other, it's like what'd you do? Just like meet her at a bar, and be like. Would you like to marry me? I don't know. Who are you? I'm a man with a lot of money. Okay. <laughs> yeah, basically. And we know that Frederick Lauren, Vincent Price's, Vincent Price's character, has been married like at least four times. Or at least three times. Because it, it's either his fourth or his fifth it's marriage. It's his fourth wife. It's, yeah, it's his fourth wife. So, and the other three have died mysteriously. Yeah, so I mean, like, if you're Frederick, first of all, why are you continuing to marry? Like, you should know by now, like, Maybe marriage isn't for you. Like, things aren't going very well. Um, but I think that it really works for House on Haunted Hill that William Castle and the and the screenwriter Rob White, they don't give us much to go on in terms of those protagonists. And we're really not sure. Are they good people? Are they, are they actually antagonists in disguise? Are they murderers? And part of that also comes from the opening part of the, the film, too, where Vincent Price is delivering all of this exposition to the audience itself as though we're a participant and he specifically mentions murder as though that's their plan that's that's not only you know frederick and annabelle's plan but in in the entirety murder's going to happen it's 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 a it's meant to be for this party it's it's interesting and i mean i don't know how much that 
narration at the beginning is necessary. I think it's a little it's over gr- the top. It's great, though. The, yeah, whole, I mean, the whole intro <laughs> with uh, Watson Pritchard, his head coming towards the screen, and that way that only the 50s can truly encapsulate, you know. The Shimmery qualities it, of the uh, it disembodied head, head. Just, like, being there, and he's like, people have died at this house. Been seven murders. And now someone else is going to die, too. And, like, zoom, at, like, his head go, you know, flying back. And then Vincent Price's head shows up. And he's like, yes, things are going to happen. <laughs> yeah. It's odd. It's, it's great. It's, it's, you know, it's like, kids, before there's Morgan Freeman. Yeah, delivering all his And narration. James Earl Jones. There was Vincent Price. Well, I think it's great little soliloquy monologues. I think it's interesting too that they that uh, Watson Pritchard delivers part of that opening monologue too because for the most part, besides him actually owning the house, well, that's why I think he did it. That's the whole purpose of him doing that opening bit is the fact because he's the person who owns the house. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but so it's it still makes sense for him to introduce like the house itself and what happened there instead of Vincent Price because then Vincent Vincent Price is just setting. Because when he comes, like, Watson Pritchard's um, played by... Elijah Cook Jr., yeah. He's, you know, setting up what the house is and what's happened, the history of the house. And then once he leaves from his monologue and his narration, you get Vincent Price to show up and give a narration on what's going to happen at the house. Why is this party here? And who are these people coming there? So I, I think I, I'm totally fine with that because it makes sense to do it like that instead of have... Yeah, no, I mean, a light, uh, you know, have Watson set it up, the whole thing up, because if he does sets the whole thing up, that, you know, which he's not privy to the information that Vincent Price is, and Vincent Price really isn't totally privy to the information that, uh, Watson Pritchard, Pritchard yeah, has. Yeah. I mean, I, no, I agree, I think that it makes sense, I just feel like Watson as a character is really underutilized after delivering that opening monologue, because... Well, he's just there to be like... For the most part, he's just a drunk. He's just there to be drunk and tell him, the ghosts are going to get you. Yeah, They're going to get you. You know, I think that wa- though Watson Pritchard isn't really... He doesn't really seem important because he's not in a lot of scenes. He doesn't really do anything. He is really important to House on Haunted Hill as a horror movie. Because if if he wasn't there to constantly warn the guests... This place is fucking haunted. You know, be careful because they're coming to get you. If he's not there to do that, then what you've got is a very uh, close resemblance to Agatha Christie's story, and then there were none. Because that's basically the setup of and then there were none. You got a bunch of mysterious guests. They all come together. They don't know why. They've never met each other. And then they get killed off one by one. It's exact. It, I mean, it's basically the premise of House on Haunted Hill. Game of Clue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except this time in House on Haunted Hill... There's ghosts there, too, and you're not sure if it's ghosts that are doing it. I think, like, he's a very important presence because otherwise you're just going to get that, you know, connotation that this is Agatha Christie's story and they're just kind of doing, like, different characters with it. Well, then they would have to call it, you know, and then there were none. Yeah, exactly, or ten ten little Indians or it's more offensive name. Ten little (laughs) N-words. But... I think that 
it does make sense for Watson Pritchard to be there. And I think Elijah Cook Jr. does a really good job of just being the... Uh, disheveled. <laughs> yeah, the disheveled <laughs> drunk guy who's constantly staggering around, just warning people, making everybody uneasy because of all of his, like, ridiculously inane ghost stories um, that he's never truly experienced. And even at the beginning, he says, you know, he he passed out one night. He almost died. He probably passed out and almost died because he drank too much whiskey <laughs> at one point and just fucking conked out. And I mean, scotch. Scotch and. Yeah, scotch and. <laughs> um... But, you know, like I said, I think Watson Pritchard's, uh, he is important despite him not really doing anything throughout the film. Um, and he's, it's, he's a fun character. He's, no, he's, he's, it, he's kind of like... Again, he, he's, he, this is what makes it seem like, like a Twilight Zone episode, because he seems like a character that you would see in like a Twilight Zone episode, but like, I told you not to do this, and like a character's like, nah, you know, pfft, you know, and then like by the end he's like, I warned you, but no one, you know, listened to me. Yeah. It, no, he, he totally... And he, he is a lot of fun, too. Just He's probably one of the most fun characters besides Vincent Price, I would say. Well, Vincent Price is always a delight. Yeah, he is. I mean, in this case, he does get a lot of... Uh, Vincent Price specifically gets a lot of verbose language to just throw out. Saturnine being one of them. Um, I can't even remember what else he says. Do you but... think that was written on the script, or did he, like, throw that in there? And, like, hmm. someone's like, you got the source on set? Vince, what does that mean? He's like, hmm, ask, you know, ask me later. <laughs> Dark and gloomy. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I actually, I don't know. Because I don't know how common it would have been to just Improv? throw out Saturnine. No, and, no. It, well, that's, yeah. the, well, what? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I've never seen or heard the word before until the film. And even you, someone who has a very wide vocabulary. You know, had the, it's, not, it's not, not had to think about. It. So I commonly I, used, yeah. So as you know, someone like Vincent Price, who's like a Shakespearean actor, I can right. see him like digging. Well, sure, it, could, it certainly could have been from a Shakespearean uh, vocabulary, but at the same time, I can't see even like in the fifties, somebody, yeah, throwing thro- it out there, throwing that into you know the screenplay. <laughs> So I don't know that 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 to me just kind of stuck out because it's that's not a bad thing. It's just like why well, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I. One of my favorite parts about this film, though, is how poorly the women are often treated in the film. <laughs> what a great what a great way to say. Yeah, that. yeah, no, no. Like, what well, I like how the women are treated like shit. <laughs> Yeah, I don't mean that in uh, in terms of like I agree with how they treat them, but just as a product of the of the time in the late fifties, <laughs> it's amusing to see how little respect most of the men have for the women in this film. The two women, yeah. Well, no, three. three. There's three yeah, women, yeah. but really, um, one of them, uh, I think it's Ruth. Yeah, Ruth. Bridges. She she's really not in it very much at all. She just gets a scotch. Besides hand. ordering a scotch and constantly. Yeah, scotch and, and then, you know, that, 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 we got a little. Yeah, that's a interesting phrase as a drink that I've never heard of. Scotch and. And I, I don't. I, I was thinking, because I, I was thinking, the first time she said scotch and, I was thinking Vincent Price was supposed to finish it, like, in a club soda or yeah. a scotch night, you know. Well, not ice, because then it'd be scotch on the rocks, but I mean. So, I mean, I, I was just like, I thought he'd finish it, and then he's like, no, I already know what you want. 
Yeah. And it's like, oh, what the fuck's a Scotch and? And, like, she orders it again. Yeah, I mean, Scotch and, we had to look it up, is apparently Scotch and club soda. Which, in my eyes, if you're putting ice in, and then you're also putting club soda in, really defeats the purpose of, like, getting a nice Scotch. Well, you can just kick it back. Yeah, I guess. You can just kick it back. So, you get, you get drunk a lot, you know. I guess. She's a woman, Ryan. That, cl- that club soda is needed to, you know, to yeah. make her, you know, be able to handle this, a fine single malt scotch from a rich man. I'm assuming Vincent Price has a single malt scotch. Oh, I would say so. Because he's giving these people $10,000. millionaire. Yeah. $10,000, apparently, in our age, is about $83,000. So, it's pretty fucking expensive yeah, at that are. time. Might be more than that. No, I looked it up. Oh, it was, yeah, it translates to about eighty three thousand dollars. Oh, that's because in the ninety nine remake, they make it a million dollars. Well, yeah, I think that was just for shits and giggles. No, I know it's not going to equate to that much, but I mean, still, I thought I was thinking like it might be like a little over a hundred thousand. Yeah, I mean, I guess like in the the remake House on Haunted Hill, they were thinking because it was so much more spooky and scary. That people wouldn't just be like... An actual ghost? <laughs> well, I, people wouldn't be like, $80,000 to spend the night there. <sighs> That's not worth it to me. Like, oh, it's worth it to me. I would do it. I'd stay in a haunted house if somebody said it's haunted. I'd stay in a haunted house for probably for free. <laughs> but if they, if, if they had to... If they wanted to pay me, I would also do it. So... <laughs> Pretty much either way. Um, but no, I like... Th- I don't like, but I. it's amusing to me how they treat the women in this film because it's very indicative of the time. And, and in this case, one of the main characters is Nora, who's a very sensitive person. And so throughout the film, she's constantly seeing these events that happen that kind of look like supernatural elements, doors closing by themselves. She finds a uh, head in her suitcase. Um, she sees Seeing ghosts. She sees ghosts, or in or what actually occurs is she sees uh, like a housekeeper who's <laughs> very creepy and 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 blind and well, nearly floating. Yeah, good old drunk Watson Pritchard never bothered. Like, oh yeah, there's a dr- there's a blind housekeeper roaming. <laughs> yeah, there's a blind and creepy looking housekeeper. Uh, I don't know why we hired her, but she. How much work can a blind housekeeper really do? Maybe she came with a house. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, but so Nora is very, a very sensitive person, and she keeps getting scared because she's really the one that's targeted. But every time she gets scared and runs off, it's always because she's just becoming hysterical. She's just, you're, you're hysterical right now. It's, you know, hysterical means you're freaking out about nothing, not... Potentially, there are ghosts in this house, and I'm fucking scared. Uh, so it's really which is great too because she's like, I saw a ghost as we have for our intro. Like, I saw a ghost, and um, good old Lance, the pilot, is like, you didn't really see a ghost. She's like, you don't believe me. He's like, <laughs> no. How can I? Yeah. Why would I believe you? And she's like, oh, you know. And then, so all, and like all the men, are like you're you're being hysterical. You you're seeing things you don't know what you're talking about. But yet, good old drunk Watson's like, "There's ghosts here." It's like, Watson, you're just you're drunk. Watson, you're drunk. I love how Vincent Price delivers <laughs> that one line. He's like, he's so drunk he doesn't even know what he's talking about. Yeah. Just like casually, like everybody's like, "Yeah, I realize he's fucking getting shit faced," and you know now he's like falling down drunk. But let's just let him go. 
He's not because he's hysterical. He's scared out of his wits. Not because he's, he's hysterical. He's just he's just he's yeah. just drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, I but I I mean it's not just her either because it really I love how Vincent Price delivers that opening line too about Annabelle coming up with this idea for this ghost party and how she's she's so amusing. He says it in such a way. That it's like I have no respect just, yeah, for this yeah, no, woman. In such a, she just dis, she such just a disdain. Yeah, like. she just wants this shit, and I give it to her because she's my fucking wife. I hate her, but you know she's practically tied to my money now, so I have to do what she tells me. But no, no, you're right because that is great because he's like, my wife came up with this idea for the these people to come to the house in funeral cars. <laughs> <laughs> she has such a. Great sense of humor. Yeah, I know. He's just, he's just, the way he, de- he delivers it is perfect. I know. It's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense for his character because he really does hate his wife. But it it also just kind of, throughout the whole film, shows like, uh, well, yeah, most of the men really don't have any respect for these women <laughs> whatsoever. And at the same time, the, the writing for the women is really not good either. I mean. Well, no, R- Ruth is just, one, Ruth is just there. Yeah, Ruth. as as a literally a body to have the seven people because there were seven murders that happened at the house mm-hmm. previously, so they have seven people there. You gotta have set, yeah, just to make you know, to set make it, it up, yeah. equal. And but she's literally just to say, she's literally there just to say scotch and and then light a cigarette up. That's, yeah, that's all really, she that's all she does. She, she has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. I mean, she's she's barely in any of the scenes. Most of them either take place with Lance and Nora or with. Uh, Frederick and Annabelle so she's like she's just kind of an extra like a third wheel that's even the doctor really isn't you know featured throughout much of the film although he does have a very important part later on for the twist but I think like his presence isn't really um needed needed for for a lot of the film um but let's talk about that what what do you think about the twist in this film that's not actually a horror film well, that's true, but many films like this aren't. You know, they're they're not really. They start out as hauntings, and then it becomes sort of a murder mystery. Um, but I mean, like as a twist, did you see it coming when you first saw it? No, Was it? I, I mean, I think that's part of. They don't. Re- they don't really hint. Mm. There's no. There's no. There's no red herrings at all to follow. Not really. No, I mean. I mean, they they, are, keep, they they keep basically everything kind of under lock and key on uh, anything that would suggest somebody else. The only thing that I would say that the only hint they really give is the fact that the doctor's in the forefront of like trying to push for like it's it's Vincent Price that's doing all this. Well, that and he's the first one that finds um, Annabelle, yeah. who's been who's been hanged, and clearly. There's no way that she could have, uh, you know, hung herself. Yeah, yeah. there's not just no way that it could have been a suicide because there's no chair. There's no rhyme or reason to the way the rope from her. Yeah, yeah, the the rope is like on a pulley system that's hooked to a, a wooden block on the stairwell, and there's just absolutely no way that somebody who's going to be doing that could have rigged it up. It's just you know. You would think that even if they were trying to hint at murder, they would have been a little bit less of a easy deduction that like somebody murdered them. 
even if you're going to leave it as like a, you know, tr- still trying to to scare the the residents or the guests that are staying there, you would kind of leave it vague uh, uh, and at least put a chair there or something to kind of give or the make the, like again make put the rope in a place that yeah know, that, would make sense that makes for, more sense for like a suicide then you know yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, I think no, I think again though, I think part of it though is they want it to look like murder. They do, yeah, they so, do. So it, you know, it puts, you know, puts it, it puts the blame on Vincent Price. Yeah, so. yeah. Um. So one of the one of the uh, more iconic scenes from House on Haunted Hill is the whole the skeleton scene that occurs <laughs> when um, you know, it comes to life and starts dancing around Annabelle, and eventually pushes her into a vat of acid that just apparently comes that, with the house and no one's concerned yeah, with. Yeah, that Watson and Pritchard, you know, didn't think to get to, somebody to, to pump out. No, he's just like, I'm gonna leave it. Well, you never know when it could come in handy. When you gotta get rid of a body. A body or just anything, really? Like, oh, I don't want this. Can't wait for the garbage What man. a time to be alive in the 50s. You got a vat of acid in that house? Yeah, why? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one. No one's concerned that like. Yeah, getting. That, you're not getting like your local like neighborhood. You know, like association. Like, hey, we could smell like the hydrochloric acid from your. Um, it's kind of ruining the property value around here. Yeah. Well, maybe she. And then like a cop was like, hey, you know, that's like five different citations there on like housing code laws. You know, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to ticket you and you know. Uh, I'm just repo the house. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like the conversation that would have had to take place to get a vat of acid in your house. Just like my, my, I, maybe if the guy that previously owned like maybe worked at a factory, probably maybe they're probably what am I gonna do with this acid? He's like, don't worry, I'll take it home. I'll, I'll take oh, it. Okay, thanks, Joe. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'd like to order uh, twenty four barrels. barrels of hydrochloric acid. What are you gonna do with it? Oh, nothing. Just yeah. I'm they just... wouldn't even ask. They're like, yeah. "Oh, that'll cost you know twenty four dollars." Twenty. That's a bargain, man. Yeah. What a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I know. The, yeah, I, the the vat of acid is a, a favorite of mine in this film because it it everything else is pretty realistic. In terms oh no, of... that and the whole the skeleton thing, and then when you find out it's not actually a skeleton, it's Vincent Price puppeteering a skeleton. The whole contraption he has to like rig that skeleton, dance it around. That and they even show it to you, like oh, like what a yeah smart yeah like two what a, what a clever bastard two he pulley is. systems yeah and, no uh, it's like oh my god it looks like <coughs> he's in the Wizard of Oz he's got coming out like oh there's Molly Orton don't look at the man behind the curtain you know yeah I know oh, that's uh, oh. it's great but I think a lot of people make fun of that skeleton scene in terms of like oh look you can see the skeleton's wires you can you know you it looks so goofy but it's like it's supposed to I mean. It, in that, mm-hmm. in this case, in the film, that it's not supposed to look like it's a real skeleton fucking dancing around because it's not. It's all puppeteered, so there's no actual supernatural paranormal aspect to to the film. Um, I think the one thing that I I kind of wished for in this film is that there was some sort of supernatural influence there as well. You know, just a little. Well, the, well, the film hints at it at the end, though. It does a little bit, I but think. then again. How much can you trust old drunk Watson? Exactly. <laughs> I think he's there to be the kind of the paranoia person who sets everything in motion. I I do wish that there was some sort of kind of spook, actual spook at the end that was 
it kind of hinted that the the house actually was haunted, even though everything what? was designed to be that way. Yeah. It, it would have been kind of cool and leave the the audience with a chill because that the you would expect with House on Haunted Hill being so spooky and thrilling throughout, almost like the perfect haunted house Halloween film as a classic film. You would think at the end they would want just some sort of like chiller moment. Well, I think I mean I think though at the same time, because of the time period, I think the whole what Watson does at the end is is enough. Is is that I don't I mean again it's 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 a film from the late fifties. True. I I don't think you know you would get that kind of you know like double fake out type of thing at the end. It's not something they they would have ever put so much thought into. Again, these are the films that end abruptly. That just end on a dime. Yeah. So. Well, this one certainly is because yeah. we talked about it at at the end of the film. All everybody else that survives has been locked in a a small room. They haven't been able to get out, so they don't know what's been happening. And Vincent Price's character doesn't really explain it to them at the end. They just kind of come downstairs. They find Vincent Price alive. They thought he was dead. Which, by the way, I mean, I understand Nora. She was. Having her women hysterics. She was, uh, yeah, womanly hysteric. Having her womanly hysterics and all, but... Vincent Price, early in the films, gives everybody a gun. A loaded gun. Mm-hmm. Saying, we might have... You might have to use this tonight. And... But apparently, out of all the guns, he puts blanks those in Norris. Because he knows about this plan. Well, I think he's... I think he put blanks in everybody else's. No, he said only in Norris. I don't know about that, though. I don't know that he... Did. I don't think he said... Only Nora's. I think he just said, I put blanks in yours. And in, in that, no one else really had any real bullets besides him when he shot the base. Which I would assume would be the better plan. Yeah, that would be <laughs> the, better I mean, plan, the better plan. Just, just than, in case something goes awry. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. But I mean, so, anywho, doesn't really, that point's kind of moot. Doesn't really matter. But there's blanks in there. So when she shoots him, and then, you know, she didn't see blood or anything. She shoots him, and she's so hysterical that she just assumes that she killed him. I which I I can understand, but at the same time, do a little. Uh, if you think about it logically, if again, if you yeah. shoot somebody, you're gonna see whether you're hysterical or not. Yeah. You're gonna see like, oh, he's bleeding well, from. These his... are also films where there was no like squib that. No, I no again, I, no again, I understand. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand from the limitation of the times. I'm, I'm just. This is like a modern, like kind of like, sure. you know, nitpicky type. Sure, yeah. This isn't a thing that's like I didn't walk after that. Like, well, this movie, you know, this is <laughs> fuck like, this movie. This is the thing that, that's really you know, unrealistic. I don't believe it. That's bullshit. No, but um, I'm just th- just thinking about it. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you gotta you gotta check that shit. Yeah, you know, I can believe sure. I can believe the vat of acid down there. <laughs> I can believe the, the vat of acid in the wine and cellar the, and the woman floating outside a window. Pre- I don't know yeah. how. Presumably had, on no, a wire. Had, yeah, they had a harness. Yeah, so that's why she like who has that. But that doesn't explain how they get outside. Apparently. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if, if apparently you can't get outside. There's only one way out, and it's locked by the keepers, and it's only yeah controlled by outside. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, like that that whole ending scene where. Vincent Price just basically says, "Well, I uh, I killed him. I killed do- I killed the doctor. Uh, Annabelle accidentally fell in the vat, and I'm ready to to you know meet with the authorities and and tell them all about it. 
They don't know anything well, he, about it. Well, he did say because they had a plan to kill him, but he... He did explain that, yes. But at the same, but at the same time, it's not, he just goes, well, they tried to kill me, but I killed them first. Yeah. I'm willing to go to court to... I mean, obviously, he's not as truthful as saying, like, I played an elaborate gag with this dancing skeleton, but, uh, but no, but the thing that really I find funny is that these people all thought that Annabelle was already dead because... She, they they only know that she hanged herself. So when they come downstairs and he says, "Well, Annabelle died." It's like he was already fucking dead. What happened here? Well, you know what? I was also thinking too. Like no one like checked her pulse or anything. Well, because the doctor got her down, so everybody was kind of assuming like doctor knows what he's talking. I know. About. So like, it, but she wasn't laying there still. Yeah, and I mean, even so, Watson so, Pritchard was, so, was so, in there. So yeah, it was like, did he give her a sedative? Because he did suggest sedatives earlier than That Nora. could be. That could be, yeah. That's, that's the only thing I can think that's of. That's the only, yeah. Again, these are like little nitpicky things. It doesn't ruin... No, it doesn't the, ruin it, the But it's just like idea, little things but... I'm thinking of. Like, thinking of... Because, like, again, if we think about, like, today, if it would be like a two-and-a-half-hour excursion, if they would explain, like, he slipped her sedatives, you know, to, like... Have there would be flashback sequences, like when you you go back to that moment where like there was actually yeah there was actually you know he gave her a pill yeah she took the pill yeah. secretly without anybody seeing and there would be a flashback sequence. But. You're supposed to just pick up that she's got when because she, she is kind of yeah gr- I think that's probably the the way that they did it yeah I'm assuming um yeah it's not explained I just like that ending scene where nothing's explained to those other guests in there there's no talk of like oh I'm still gonna pay you ten thousand dollars. Nothing. Vincent Price just walks out like you deal with the skeleton in the acid pit. I don't, you know, I don't care. I like that. I, you fish that and, out, and then basically that's it. It ends. Besides, Will, Will uh, Watson Pritchard's little monologue there at the end, which says like, "That's two more. Now there's nine that are dead, <laughs> and now they're coming after me." And as I told you, it's like, ah, Troll Two saw this, and yeah, because <laughs> and now they're coming after me. I guess that's, I guess, like, how I was saying when there's no, like, scare at the end, there's no sting. I guess that's the sting. And that he's, like, saying yeah. they're coming after you. Yeah, no. I guess yeah. that's sup- pr- supposed to be, like, the scary moment for the yeah, audience. Yeah, no, like, but that would... Fuck, I don't want to go home anymore. But that would fit, though, with the whole thing of, like, a, having a skeleton fly in the fucking theater. That's and... true. You're already a little jumpy. Yeah. So, no, that You're would... You're already a little jittery. Yeah. Women's got the vapors and they're yeah. fainting. But that would, no, that would, no, that totally, I think, fits for the time for, as, like, an ending chill. Yeah. Um, All right, so out of ten skeletons, what would you give House on Hongido? I'll give it an eight and a half. I'm surprised that it's at, uh, well, I I will say that I'm, I'm, I am and I'm not surprised. Because I know that you do like classic films and you're not one to, like, write off a film just because it's, like, an older black and white movie. Which some people are. Some people, if no. it's black and white, it's like, well, that's automatically slow and boring and I'm done with it. No. Uh, well, for one, and this was slightly off topic, but um, both of us also being part of, like, the anime community. Sure. Um, I get, as an older anime fan, I get very pissed off and angry when I see, like, on online forums. Because... Most of the anime community is younger, is constantly being flooded with younger fans mm-hmm. who get into it because of newer stuff, and they're like, "I can't watch this. They're only subbing this in 720 and not 1080. This is ridiculous. Uh, I can't watch anything before 2008 because yeah. the anime. It's like, shut the fuck up and watch 
No. It's not that distracting <laughs> to watch, like, if you're, like, young and, like, used to modern animation. It's not that distracting to watch, like, 1979 Gundam and see, like, yeah, they had to reuse a lot of the same shots because they had no budget and the techniques were limited. You, you'll get used to it pretty quick. You'll get over it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and stuff like you that. You do, and then it beca- becomes and its again, own, you know, kind of... And not uh, like that, there are really well, like, animated, older, like, like Macro... The, Ma- the first Macross movie, Do You Remember Love, is from 1981, and that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And that's animation. Well, same thing applies with film, too. Like, just because something's black and white doesn't mean, like, I oh, can't watch it. It's or that not- it's going to be automatically slow. No. Because House on Haunted Hill is not slow. It's really not slow at all. It's an hour and ten, and it it's, again, like I said, it's literally, the pacing of this film is the equivalent of the time a Twilight Zone episode, but it's 20 minutes longer. It's hmm. swiftly so, moving, and... It's got a slightly slow build in the first, like, 15 minutes to set up the premise, but once that premise is set up, and everything's going on, then it's it's off and running, and it's... Again, it's, it's not wasting time giving like unnecessary backstory and characters and other things. It's it's focused on what the plot of the film is and like yeah. what's supposed to happen at this party. Um, so that's my little sidebar. No, I I have you know I that that's something that like like pisses me off. I'm yeah, like, yeah. Like if I like told like somebody like oh Citizen Kane's widely considered to be the greatest film of all time, I'm like. No, oh, just black and white. So, well, like, fuck you then. Yeah, Orson yeah. Welles doesn't need you to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's. I think eight point five. I agree with because I think it's a it's a really good film. You know, now it's not it's not a like a scary film. For and there's the only one one really like well known actor in this. True. Yeah, Vin- I would say Vincent Price. And yeah, he is as always a fantastic delight. Yeah, and you can tell he just. One, takes what he's doing seriously, even when he's doing campy things. Like, this film is as serious as it is and whatnot. It's also pretty campy, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But in a good way that works with the tone and the direction of the film. And and it's almost like in his character to be campy. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah, like to be like, like, "Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah." Um, But he's absolutely great in this. He's very enjoyable in his just downright asshole dickishness and though the cast is really filled with unknowns and the characters lesser knowns i mean maybe they weren't at the time but for us now they haven't really yeah traversed time um they are and again even though the characters don't really have any characterization except for the fact like they're given kind of they're given a stereotype they are all very enjoyable, except like, like it's Ruth, but like I said, she's not even really a factor in the film. Mm-hmm. But they're all really enjoyable. Like, what uh, Elijah Cook is Watson Pritchard is <coughs> as the drunk is enjoyable. He's a lot of fun. Um, Lance, he as the straight man, you know, he plays a straight man very well, and he's enjoyable and likable. Yeah. Um, I think the score for the film is very good. Yeah. And it's, I don't think people will like look to it as something like, Oh, like as like a masterpiece or something that's iconic. But at the same time, it is iconic in the sense that a lot of sounds and musical cues that we take for like modern day, like Halloween. And like when you're going like trick or treating or like stuff that you hear in this film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And I think it's a very well done, atmospheric, enjoyable horror film mm-hmm. slash whodunit. Yeah. And I think like if you were to talk about what movie, like what classic movie for besides, you know, Halloween obviously, for what should I put on for Halloween, like in the background? This is like a quintessential Halloween film with the score, with the sound, the sounds that the spooky sounds that they've got, you know, even just like the very generic gothic manner and the skeleton. Those are kind of things that we take for granted now. They've, they, they, we've even moved past that to more uh, well-defined cinematic monsters like Pinhead and, you know, Let's Jigsaw see. and stuff like that. We, we've kind of moved past that. But those are very iconic and quintessential elements of Halloween prior to our, you know, contemporary movies. So I would say like House on Haunted Hill is a quintessential Halloween film that you could put on in the background and just have it be running. And, you know, even though it's not particularly scary now, um, I do think that it has its moments. I think that some of those scenes where, you know, we see the, the housekeeper that's in the basement. It's pretty creepy still. I mean, it still looks visually scary. Yeah. And, you know, the the um, Annabelle kind of being outside through the window and the glass and the, the, the rain. It's It still works. And it's it's kind of the basis for how, what we've moved on to with paranormal scares. Scares, we still use, like, creepy old woman figures and... People appearing, Dark, yeah, with yeah the cloaks. And... Yeah, people appearing in, in like uh, places where you wouldn't expect them. It's it. They're all very um, the tropes that we've we've come to kind of expect from paranormal. But I think it really works in House on Haunted Hill, and uh, as a historical piece of horror cinema, it's one of the better ones because there were a ton of not so good, uh, kind of rushed, older horror movies and. If you've seen any of, like, the 50 movie horror packs or anything like that, there's a lot of those movies on there that just are not good. Which is, like, the same thing with, like, the, you know, sci-fi boom at the time. You exactly. Got, you got the ones that people, you know, are like, consider classics of, like, the day. Like, them and, you know, the day the Earth stood still. And then you got, you know, Santa Claus, you know. Versus, yeah, versus uh, the Martians, the Martians yeah. and stuff like that. That just, they weren't, they just weren't that good. <laughs> so, but House on Haunted Hill, on the higher end of the spectrum... Definitely recommend it, especially if you haven't seen it, but you're a good, you're a big fan of horror. I mean, it's something that you just really need to watch and experience and see, you know, and especially for Vincent. It's Price. very, and again, it's very atmospheric. It's still, and, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I think the atmosphere is something that a lot of modern day horror films just do not have. Mm-hmm. Something that captures has a certain atmosphere throughout the entire film, and you can really get into. Yeah. Like when you watch Saw, the Saw films, the only atmosphere you're getting is fucking shitty late '90s style green, like green lighting, new metal that was left over from the Matrix. Yeah, you know. So, yep. Uh-huh. I think that's that's one of the main draws for House on Haunted Hill. All right, so uh, next week we're doing the RoboCop remake. It's our two year anniversary, almost exactly. And we're going to have a lot of fun with the audio commentary. We're going to set it up so you can listen right along with us as we provide audio commentary for the film. And uh, it's a long film, too. So expect quite a bit of uh, funny commentary and narration and all kinds of shit. It's going to be a fun time. 
and probably also an awful time for us. I think we're also going to try to do a terrible beer. So it's going to be something for our two-year anniversary. Um, Like I said, we've also got a special episode coming out. Not on, uh, you know, not on our podcast, but somewhere. Affiliate. That's right. And we'll announce it as the time comes closer and we know that it's okay to announce. Um, Other than that, Please check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, any other podcast app that you that you use. Give us a review and a you know a rating, and we really appreciate it. Subscribe to us and all that jazz. Uh, we're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum, Blood and Black Rum, uh, just to help you uh, find us. Uh, we I tweet a lot, retweet uh, Potter and Family hashtags and stuff like that. So so follow us on there. Um, we are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Like us on there. We also have a group. We really encourage you to join that. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. You can subscribe to us on there, uh, and follow along. And I post on there every time we post up a new episode, but you can also, um, donate to us and that's a monthly donation so just keep that in mind if you uh plan on donating we do have some perks if you donate at certain monetary levels and we appreciate anything that you can give back to the podcast um we also have a an email it's blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com you can write to us let us know what you think of the show and also uh, give us any recommendations for films that you want us to cover on here and we'll do our best to do them other than that thank you for listening to our 73rd episode we're gonna be back next week with the robocop remake so definitely stay tuned for that uh that'll be a fun audio commentary and we hope you uh keep listening god help us all that's right thanks for listening and we'll see you next time take care